Hey, you guys, hey, my name's Danny. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and it, uh, it's always an honor and a privilege to uh, speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. It's absolutely the, the, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And um, I have a sobriety date of January 2nd, 2012. I, I just picked up 10 years in January. This is fucking badass. <laughs> and uh, um, I just love Alcoholics Anonymous so freaking much, <laughs> a lot. But I did not always love it. I always thought it was just some weird stuff, you know? I've done uh, uh, 10 rehabs in my life. I did 10 12-step rehabs. I've been, uh, did a bunch of detoxes. I spent uh, 15 years of my life in the penitentiary and uh, um, just been up and down in programs, thousands of meetings, lots of rehabs, and just kept trying to uh, get sober. And uh, um, it just didn't work out a million times, you know? And one thing is that I never worked all 12 steps. You know, I never did before. I always thought that the solution to my life was that if I just get sober, I'm supposed to be amazing, happy, and joyous, and free. And every time I stopped using and drinking, I was never happy, joyous, and free. You know, and I was bored, irritated, frustrated. I would sit in the back of the room and I would just judge everybody. And I would just go, how the hell is this weird shit supposed to help? You know what I mean? Listen to all these weirdos talk a bunch of crap about their life. Like, this is not helping. You know, I got this one analogy. It's kind of trippy. It's about like, it's, a, um, you know, if I'm uh, really out of shape and I'm like sitting here thinking to myself, you know what? I need to do something about this. And then I'm like asking people and then someone suggests, hey, join the gym. <laughs> yes. Join the gym, what a great idea. So I freaking go down to the gym and I tell them I'm gonna join the gym, I'm gonna go for an hour every single day. So I get down to the gym and I get a membership and I'm like, I'm gonna be here at 6 a.m. every single day. And then the first day I get there at 5.50, I get there ahead of time and I walk into the gym and the guy says, okay, today we're gonna to do legs. And then I'm like, bro, I got so much crap going on with my chick right now. You don't even know. You know what I mean? Handle those legs. I got to deal with this stuff right now. But I'm going to be here for an hour today. Don't trip. I got <laughs> to deal with this. And then the next day I come into the gym and the guy goes, today we're going to do chest. We're going to do push-ups and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, my mom is going through it right now. I got to be there for her. You know what I mean? We got a lot of stuff going on. I got to get in there. I got to figure out all this stuff, you know? And then I just say, but I'm going to be here for an hour. And every day I show up at the gym for one hour and all I do is watch and listen. I watch everyone working out. I listen to everyone with their little stories and I watch and listen. See, I'm not a big fan of that sit down and shut up thing. I'm not. Because I came to meetings after meetings after meetings and I sat down and I shut up and I watched and I listened until I couldn't stand it. And if I'm going to the gym every single day for an hour and I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm listening, <laughs> after six months, I'm like, I'm more tired than I've ever been. <laughs> the gym doesn't work. It doesn't work. I went every day for a freaking hour. You know what I mean? Every day. It doesn't work, man. I tried it. It doesn't work. That's this program. 
I would go to rehab after rehab after rehab after meeting after meeting. I would sit down. I would shut up. I would share sometimes, and but I would not do the, none of the work. And I was always miserable. I was always insecure. I was always I, I frustrated. I mean, it was okay. I can remember one time I did that weird thing where I'm like, okay, I just got out of prison. Okay, I'm going to go. Drugs and alcohol keep screwing me, so I'm going to give this thing a year. I'm going to give this thing one year. I'm going to stay sober for one year. I'm not going to use. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke weed. I'm going to give this one year. And I went to a rehab, and I got a little sponsor, and I messed with a couple little steps. And, I, you know, I'm third, fourth, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Lie to them. Whatever. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I remember about nine months into it, I'm like, you know, nine months into it, these guys go, hey, we're going on this. We're going on this camping trip and we're going to go down to San Onofre and we're going to get surfboards. We're going to have tents and we're going to have like, it's going to be great. You want to go? And I'm living in a sober living and I'm doing all these meetings. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go. And I get down to the beach and we're there and there's surfboards and there's tents and there's a little bonfire. And I got this guy sitting next to me at this bonfire and he's got this wire hanger. And he goes, look at Danny, you put the graham cracker on it and then you put a marshmallow on it and you put a piece of chocolate and another graham cracker and you hold it over the fire. Isn't this fun? <laughs> no, no, this is not fun. This is weird. You know what I mean? A bunch of men in a camp out making s'mores. No, this is not fun. You know what I mean? This is, this is lame. Like, my kind of fun's very different. You know what I mean? I either get hurt or other people get hurt. You know what I mean? That's funny. <laughs> and I couldn't stand it. Because, see, the thing is, is I like to think about this disease, this thing that, I, that we got. It's this weed inside of me. And it's prickly and it's irritating the crap out of me. And it's just all freaking through me, making me uncomfortable in my skin. And it's just all through me. And I'm like, and I, I just, I, I can't, it's not, something's wrong. And I can't stop tripping on it. I can't stop tripping on my, this thing that's in me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's not right. And then I get into the program and I work one step, two steps, three steps, you know what I mean? I start sharing a little bit. I get into the premium. I start doing some of this stuff that we do. And it's like these magic shears come out. And it starts trimming at this thing. Trim, 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 trim. And then all of a sudden, a little sunlight pokes through. Like, okay. Okay. And then trim, 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 trim. A little sunlight pokes through. It's trimming this thing back. And I'm feeling a little bit better. And I'm like, hey. You know I mean, this isn't so bad. This isn't, you I mean, this is okay. But the deal is, I get into this place that I feel good. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel okay. I feel all right. You know what I mean? I'm sober. I'm working a little program. I feel all right. And then you'll ask me, hey, Danny, you want a beer? I'll analyze myself. Feel a little sunlight. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Do you want to smoke a joint? Mm-mm. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I, 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 this is okay. You want to do some heroin? You want to smoke some speed? Mm, mm, nope, I, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Do you want to go to a meeting? 
Mm-mm. Nope, I'm good. I'm totally good. I'll take it from here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. And the deal with that is, is that I trimmed this disease back by going to some meetings, participating a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm feeling a little bit healthier. I trimmed it back and I got a little sunlight in me and I feel okay. Then I stop. Then I stop participating. I stop doing this stuff. And the disease grows back inside of me. It starts choking the freaking life out of me. Then I start blaming people, places, and things for my circumstance, for my, my condition. And I can't stand it. At that time, I stayed sober for 16 months. The last five months of that, I was just batshit crazy. I was like, I was batshit. Like something was wrong with me. I'm like, I didn't know who I was. I was lost. I was confused. People would see me that were loaded. And I'd be like, hey, Danny boy, what's up, bro? Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the sober thing right now. <laughs> I have to get away from you. I'll see you around. You made like, fuck, it was so uncomfortable. Right, that was weird. I got fucking disease choking the life out of me, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, uh, this, and I'm also, I want to tell you guys this thing. The 12 steps, it works. It freaking works. It works. There's this thing they talk about, you know what ignorance is? Contempt prior to investigation. I used to talk crap on these 12 steps. I used to talk crap on the program. I said that I tried it a bunch of times. I went to thousands of meetings. I tried a couple steps and it didn't freaking work. You know what I mean? It did not work. I would talk crap on Bill Wilson. I'd talk crap on Dr. Bob. I'd talk crap on all you guys, all of us, because this stuff was just like lame to me. But the thing is, if I'm talking crap on something I've never done, what does that make me? Ignorant. And I couldn't see that because pride was my greatest character defect. I couldn't see that. But having gone through all 12 steps, there's this thing on the 12 step that's called having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. The spiritual awakening, the freaking psychic change, the freaking uh, paradigm shift in consciousness, being able to see things completely differently than I have ever seen them before. My greatest thing is I didn't know I could feel like this. I didn't know that I could feel like this by doing all 12 of those freaking. I didn't know that. If I would have known that I could, I, I do not, not drink and use because it's going to ruin my life if I do. <laughs> I'm going to disappoint everyone that loves me. I'm going to go back to prison. You <laughs> I mean, so I can't drink and use. I do not drink and I do not use because nothing's going to make me feel better than the way I feel right now. Period. That stuff is not going to make me feel better than the way I feel right now. If I would have known by doing all 12 steps to the best of my ability, I would have felt this way. I'd have done them a long time ago. But I had this tiny thing, and it's called hope in the beginning. Like, I hope this shit works. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. I looked at them steps, I've read them a million times, and it just did not look like it was it. Like, I'm like, what? Truthfully, I think, I kind of wish it was worded different. You know what I mean? Like step one, we kick ass and take names. Step two, no one ever gives a shit ever. 
You know what I mean? I could have got down with something like that. You know what I mean? But step one, you're weak as hell. I'm powerless. You know what I mean? Like step two, your power sucks. You need something else. Like it just didn't sound like a great solution. But at the end of it all, like I recognized I was beaten into the state of reasonableness. I tried everything. I tried. I tried to achieve happiness. I tried everything, you know. And at the end of it all, like my bottom was just complete confusion. I thought I was smart. I thought I was intelligent. I thought I knew stuff. I thought I was, you know, I mean, I've read millions of freaking books when I was doing time in prison. I read all these books on philosophy and religions and just, you know, personal development. I read all this stuff for years while I was in prison. And while that stuff made sense, I took the, that information, everything I learned about people and places and things and situations, I took that knowledge and I put it to life. And at the end of it all, I had nothing. And I had become everything I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be the biggest disappointment in my family's life. I never wanted to be a deadbeat dad. I never wanted to be a man with nothing. And I'd become all these things. So my bottom was, I don't know shit. Cause I don't have shit. And everything that I've become, I never wanted to become. Something was horribly wrong inside of me. Something was horrible, you know, like pride my greatest character defect okay pride pride this thing that i think i know stuff i think i'm smart i think i'm intelligent i don't see the life like you do and i'm completely fucking different i suffer from this thing called terminal uniqueness uniqueness terminal uniqueness I'm different than everyone else <laughs> how can we be so different if we all want the same thing we all want happiness we all want to be loved we all want to be appreciated. We all want to be believed in. We all want to be trusted. We all want the same thing. How can we be so different? So pride is my greatest character defect. When I'm in prison, you know, I'd be in prison and, uh, you know, I'd be on the yard and I'd be like going, hey, you know, like I'm making sure everyone's towing the line, everyone's doing everything right. And I got my celly and I'm telling my celly, hey, bro, this will be, I mean, we're soldiers in here. He's like, yeah, that's right. Like, we don't let no one disrespect us ever. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, you know what the problem with life is? And then I go into explaining the problem with life. But in reality, how do I know what the problem with life is? I'm in my underwear and I'm waiting for Chow. I don't know what the problem with life is. But I think I do. When's Chow, bro? You know what I mean? Like, fuck. But I think I'm solid. Or I'm going to the phone. And I'm calling my mom and I'm asking my mom, Hey, did you get that package list I sent you? I'm going to store next week. Can you put $50 on my books? Cause I'm a man with nothing. I'm a man with nothing. And I'm calling my mother to please provide for me. And I'm a 38 year old man. It's not like I was a man with nothing one time. And I'm like, that was the biggest mistake of my life. I'm never going to let that happen again. No, I was a man with nothing at 20, at 25, at 30, at 35, at 40, at 42. I was a man with nothing over and over and over again. And I'm calling my mother or I'm at some rehab and I'm getting pissed off because my family won't come and see me. 
Like, what the hell? You can't bring me cigarettes? You can't come visit me? On Everyone else is getting visits on Saturdays and Sundays. You won't come see me? Pride. I had it so screwed up. I used to think that if people loved me, they would give me stuff. And if they don't give me stuff, that means they don't love me. See, I had it so backwards. You know, there's this one time, I mean, alcoholics anonymous. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. So this one time I'm at this program, right? I'm at this program and they go, okay, you guys, we're going to uh, go to it. We're taking you to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we want you all to get sponsors at this meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm like, okay, okay, I guess, whatever. So everyone in the druggy buggy or the alcoholer. <laughs> and we're going to take you to a meeting, an AA meeting. And I'm like, okay. So I got to this meeting and this guy uh, shared pretty neat. You know what I mean? He like was kind of neat, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'll ask him. So I asked this guy and I'm like, hey man, uh, um, you know, I'm at that rehab and I need a sponsor. <laughs> He's like, will you be my sponsor? He's like, yeah. You have a big book? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you have a highlighter? I'm like, yeah. Because I want you to read that doctor's opinion. And I want you to highlight stuff that you can relate to. I want you to read Bill's story. And I want you to highlight stuff that you can relate to in there. I'm like, all right. So I get back to the rehab. And I'm reading the doctor's opinion. And then I'm reading Bill's story. And I'm like, <laughs> a stockbroker from the 1930s? Like, what? An investment banker drinking bathtub gin like what are you talking about i don't know no no dr Bob. like what the no like i don't know i don't know doctors no i do not relate to anybody in this freaking book i'm a convict junkie criminal gang member i shoot heroin i smoke speed i drink whiskey i fight i do ro i rob i steal i spent years in prison like no i don't identify with anyone in this freaking book where are my people i know where are my people there's no people in here <laughs> I was very shallow back then. I suffered from terminal uniqueness. I was doing everything I could possibly do to separate myself from you. Cause you don't know me. You haven't lived and been the places I've been. I mean, I'm way different than you, but see now there's this thing that crosses all boundaries that we can all relate to. And that's feelings. I know what pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization feels like. I know what it feels like to be the biggest disappointment in my family's life, even though I don't want to be. I know what it feels like to keep going after something I think is going to make me happy and I get it and I tear it to fucking pieces. I know what it feels like to freaking be a deadbeat dad. I know what it feels like to just just pit up the, the four horsemen terror. You know, I, I know what it feels like to be just absolutely screwed in life. Because that's the thing that I, we identify with is feelings. Just because my prison and my hell was the fifth tier of Folsom in my cell shooting heroin, going out of my freaking mind, having lost everything good in life. 
does not mean that my prison was any worse or any better than a housewife that has never had a speeding ticket and she's in her million dollar kitchen drinking herself to death, losing her children, losing her husband, losing her career, losing her home. We are both in the exact same hell. We are both in hell. It doesn't matter about the places that we're in out here. It matters about the inside. See, it's not the gin, it's not the whiskey, it's not the heroin, it's not the crack, it's not the meth, it's not the freaking Xanax. It's me. I have something going on inside of me that is just tearing my life to pieces, and it compels me to keep messing with something that's destroying my life, but I can't stop doing it anyway. I identify with every single person in that book. It's the feelings. I see myself on every single page now. I identify. I'm not so different. Situations and circumstances aren't it. It's our condition. And our conditions are the same. It's the same hell. You know, this last time, how much time do I got? Great. Now I'm going to get sober. <laughs> so, huh? I'm going to find a sponsor right now, bro. Okay, here, here it comes. It's going to be great. Oh, I'll share this one analogy with you real quick. Okay, so this analogy, I like to think of it as like my life, right? So my life, I've lived in this cave, in this dark, cold, lonely cave. And I'm inside that cave. And what I'm doing in there is I'm banging these freaking rocks together inside this cave. I'm in there, I'm banging these fucking rocks together. And every once in a while, I get a little spark and it goes out and makes a little fire. And I'm like, <laughs> this is not too bad. <laughs> I get a little fire going. Woo! And then the fire goes out. I'm like, <sighs> banging fucking rocks together, banging rocks together. Get a little spark, a little fire going. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! It's not so bad. Meanwhile, people are walking by the mouth of the cave and they're looking in and they're like, Danny, what are you doing in there? Get the hell out of there. There's an abundant life out here full of rainbows and butterflies and mountains and kayaks and river and paddleboard. There's so much opportunity to it. Get the hell out of there. And I'm like, eh, you guys go on ahead. I'm gonna bang these freaking rocks together. I don't know about all that shit. And I'm banging the rocks together, get a little spark, a little fire, have a good time, and then it goes out. And then finally, I go, banging them together, no spark, banging them together, no spark. Hey, how do you get out of here? And they're like, take these 12 steps out the mouth of the cave. So one of the times I'm like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. We had some good times, man. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we remember making shadow puppet. Remember we had that little fire going on? We're dancing. Remember, hey, I'm going to go back and get a fire. And I go back. Because that was the only happiness I'd ever known was that. This last time, beaten into a state of reasonableness, they say, banging rocks, nothing, 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 nothing. Hey, how do you get out of here? These 12 steps. One, two, three. And the whole time I'm taking these early steps, I'm like, they're full of shit. There ain't nothing out there. That is my only happiness. 
30 in there full of shit. You know, man, I'm going, this is crap, bullshit. And all of a sudden I start getting further in my steps. And then I start getting, and it starts getting warmer and it starts getting lighter. And it starts, and I start feeling different. And I start feeling like something. And then I get outside the mouth of the cave. I go down into the freaking valley and I look around and I see rainbows and butterflies and fresh air. And I see opportunity all freaking around me. And I'm like, what the hell? I didn't know this was here. You know what I mean? This is amazing. And then I look back at that mountain and you know what I see? Thousands of caves, thousands and thousands of people trapped in the bondage of self. And I want to help them all. I want to help them all because we don't have to live like that anymore. And I am compelled to be able to try to help them all. You know, I had this weird, I read this letter and this letter was from King George III. And he wrote this letter and he signed it at the bottom, your humble servant, King George III. And I thought about that letter and I thought about why do you sign it, your humble servant, King George III? You're a king. You have a castle. You have an army. You have a fleet of ships. You're, you're, you're running the whole country. You're a king. Why would you sign it, your humble servant? What does that mean? And I thought about that. If you think about all the greatest leaders that have ever gone down in history as a great leader or a great king or a great queen, they all have something in common. They put the welfare of the people ahead of their own. They serve the people. They serve the people. They serve that they are servants to the people. They think about the people. A leader that serves himself by himself, for himself, and trips on his own shit all day long is a tyrant. If service is beneath you, leadership is way beyond you. Today, I'm a servant. And it didn't sound attractive when I was younger. I'm going to grow up to be a servant. <laughs> no, I did not think that. Not like, no. Today, I try to, uh, my life, at the end of my life, will not be defined by how much money I make or how much success in business or how much success in anything. My life will be defined as how many people I have helped. I care about people in a way I never have before. I care about people so freaking much. I see people suffering in the bondage of self. And it's like, I see this wound that I used to have. And I'm like, I had that too. <laughs> there's a way out. You know what I mean? There's a way out. You don't have to suffer like that. And I'm compelled. I'm not like making a decision. Like I need to find somebody to help. I'm just compelled and people, I just see people and I just want to help them because I know there's a way out. So this last thing, I was 42 years old. I was on the bus. I just paroled from prison and I called my mom. And I'm like, mom, I just got out. I just did three more years of my life in prison for a little sack of dough. And I'm like, I just got out. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see Kayleen, that's my daughter. I gotta talk to some people. I got a good job. I'm gonna be home in a few hours. It's gonna be great. You know, I got some. Uh, I got some things in the works. It's gonna be awesome. I miss you so much. I can't wait to see you. And my mom tells me, "Danny, I'm glad you're out." I have cancer. I'm gonna die, and you will never set foot in my house ever again. You're 42 years old, you've made a million promises and you've never kept one. 
you're going to die from a heroin overdose or you're going to do something stupid and go to prison for the rest of your life. I've watched you your entire life. Take care of yourself. Don't call your brother. Don't call your sister. No one wants nothing to do with you. Not that I don't love you, but something bad's going to happen, and I don't want you around the family. So my mom told me. You think that stopped me? Seven days later, I'm out of my freaking mind. I'm in this freaking sober living in Costa Mesa, and I'm shooting heroin, and I'm drinking whiskey, and I'm going freaking crazy, and I'm like, ah, who are we going to rob? Who are we going to come up with? You know what I mean? Who are we going to come up on? This is the bomb heroin. We need to get some more money to buy some more of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like He's like, yeah. And then I look over in the corner of the room, and there's this black trash bag in the corner of the room. And you know what was in that black trash bag? Everything I own. Two pairs of pants that my mom bought me while I was in prison. Some hygiene that my sister bought me while I was in prison. And all these letters I had written all these people telling them about how I was going to be different when I got out. How I was going to pull my shit together and not do the same crap again. And here I am acting and behaving the exact same way as when I was 15 years old. In some weird house with some weird guy smoking freaking weed or smoking freaking speed, you know, freaking doing drugs, disrespecting my life. And now I'm 42 years old acting and behaving the exact same way. I have not grown. Something was horribly wrong inside of me. So I made a phone call. You know, you're doing really great with these guys. You know what I mean? When the people you're getting loaded with tell you, you know, bro, there's some friends of yours at a program up there and, uh, <laughs> You know, in Fullerton, you might want to give him a call. <laughs> when the people you're doing drugs with tell you to get sober, like, hey, I mean, you're not doing good. <laughs> so I wound up calling this place called Woodland, and I went into Woodland, and this guy on this panel, and I was in there, and I just felt screwed because I, I just felt I felt screwed. Because the deal is, is like, is I, the reason I felt so screwed is because no longer can I do the stuff that I love to do. I love to smoke speed. I love to shoot heroin. I love to fight. I love to drink whiskey. I love to, I love that feeling of that stuff. And I can't do that stuff anymore because I'm going to go back to prison. And I've been sober a lot of times before. And at some point in my sobriety, I don't want to be sober. At some point being so, I don't want to be sober. And it's been the truth. I've had numerous sobriety dates. I've had numerous times of doing this program. And at some point in my sobriety, I don't want to be sober. And I always get loaded. So I just felt screwed. But then this guy on this panel, he said he's all sobriety. He's not putting the plug in the jug. And all of a sudden, you're going to be amazing. That you're going to stop using and drinking. You're going to be amazing. The program's at 12 steps all 12 steps, honestly, to the best of your ability. And I thought I've been to all these 12 step programs. I've been to thousands of 12 step meetings. I've done all this 12 step, fucking 12 step, 12 step. You know what I mean? But I've never done all 12 steps. So I made this inner commitment that no matter what I feel and no matter what I think, I'm going to complete all 12 steps because I talked crap on the program. I knew I was going to talk crap on it. I knew I was going to feel like not doing it. But no matter what I think and no matter what I feel, I'm going to do it. And I gave my word to a man when my mom had said, you made a million promises and you never kept one. When, I, when that's my sponsor asked me, you're willing to do whatever it takes, I told him yes. I have to keep my word to somebody 
because I'm bright enough to know if you show me a person that can't keep their word to somebody, I will show you a failure. I knew that. So I did step one with my sponsor. Okay, I get it. I'm powerless. My power, I got a black trash bag. I'm powerless. I ain't got shit. You know what I mean? I'm miserable. My power, I get it. I'm powerless. Step two, came to believe in a power greater than yourself can restore your sanity. Okay, I get it. My power, black trash bag. If I want more than a black trash bag and a complete failure at life, then I need to have another power. I could agree with that. An agreement. Not that I had some concept of a higher power step three made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of god as i understand him so i got with my sponsor i called him that day and he, and he goes okay did you copy down the third step prayer five times i'm like yes did you uh, memorize it and i'm like yeah so he comes and he picks me up in his truck and we go to burger king he got me a burger he got me a pack of smokes and uh still at rehab and he goes okay say the third step prayer with me danny i'm like okay and then he reaches over and he grabs my hand like this. <laughs> and we say this third step prayer together. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, do with me as thou will, relieve me of the bondage of self. We say this prayer. He lets go of my hand and he looks over at me and he smiles. <laughs> and he says, now I don't want you to go a day without hitting your and saying that third step prayer just like it is in the book and I told him you know what I felt doing that prayer with that man in the cab of his truck turning my will and my life over the care of God saying this prayer you know what I felt in that moment people have felt different things but I felt very awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> why do you gotta hold my hand like that like, what are we doing bro <laughs> like what are you doing and then he told me hit my knees every day and do that and the deal is is like this guy had 14 years sober we used to do drugs together and party together like every 20 years before that you know and like he had 14 years and i've seen i asked that man to sponsor me because i saw every time i'd be in and out of the freaking program he'd always be around and i asked him to sponsor me this last time because that man has always been happy Ever since I see, he's always been happy, joyous, and free. He was a good father, and he'd always gone from silver living to an apartment, to a house, to multiple houses, successful in business, successful in relationships, successful at family. And I'd seen he'd just been happy. So I told him, be my sponsor, bro. And he's like, don't you think that guy would be a good sponsor for you? <laughs> he did. But I told him, please sponsor me. So we did that thing, and I told him, being uncomfortable, and I go, here's the deal. I don't believe in God. Like, I don't, bro. Like, I don't believe in some magic man upstairs listening to all our prayers. You know I mean, I got good stuff for you because you do my will. And I ain't got nothing for you because you don't do shit. I, go, I don't believe in that. I, go, I don't believe in that. I, go, I, I don't. So I go, I probably, I go, let's do the reading. Let's do the writing. And I will do that stuff. But um, as far as like the prayers, I'm probably not going to do that. because I'm not going to hit my knees. and I'm not going to pray to a God. I don't believe it. And then he asked me some questions. He goes, you know, Danny, you to say that there is no God are your ideas. You not wanting to hit your knees, that's your ideas. And he goes, where's your happy family, Danny? You don't want nothing to do with me. Do you have a home? Not your mom's home. Do you have a home? I'm at that program. Do you have a car? Do you have a bank account? Do you have any money? 
you have a career? Do you have health insurance? And then he said, where's your key to any lock? So maybe the solution to your life is being presented to you right now, but you can't see it because you're so full of your own ideas, which gets you nothing. And then he said, plus, when you asked me to sponsor you, I asked you, are you willing to do whatever it takes? You said, yes. Were you lying to me? No. Okay, man. I thought making me feel so bad. All right. I'll hit my knees. You know what I mean? I'll hit my knees. You know what prayer is like? Prayer is like if I have a giant bowl of M&Ms, if I have 10,000 M&Ms in this bowl and you take one out, you notice a difference? If I take one more M&M out of that bowl, do you notice a difference? That's why we stop praying because we don't notice a difference. But day after day upon my knees, praying to this God that I did not believe in, I was very embarrassed to be on my knees. I would pray to the air, pray to my blanket, say it really fast. One more M&M was coming out of that bowl. One more M&M and another. And then I got through my fourth step and I got through my fifth step and my sixth step and my seventh step and my eighth step. And then I made amends and I, my ninth step. Handfuls of M&Ms were coming out of this bowl. And something started happening to me. I started feeling lighter. I started feeling braver. I started caring about people in a way that I never have before. I started caring about myself in a way that I never have before. You know who I am today? The man I've always wanted to be. This guy. I'm, I don't feel superior to anybody, and I don't feel inferior to anybody. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be, this person. I don't, I, I'm not perfect. I got fears, and I got insecurities, and I got challenges, and I got difficulties in my life, but I can accept them all today because they're all, and life is happening for me, and God is either everything or nothing, and to me, he's everything today. I don't know what God is. I don't know if I'm praying to Allah, Buddha, Godzilla. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't care. Because whatever you, whatever you call gets working in my life, something I, I can't take credit for something I've never been able to achieve in my life. I, I believe in God big, big time today because the only thing that I did different was doing all 12 steps to the best of my ability in prayer. That's it. That's the only thing different than I did. You know, I didn't today where before my recovery and my sobriety was boring and frustrating and irritating. And I didn't like the way I felt and I didn't like life because it sucked inside of me. It sucked inside of me. So everything out here sucks today. Today, like, what do I do for fun today? They used to ask me that before. What do you do for fun now that you're sober? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> now, what do I do for fun? Everything everything i'm the guy in the grocery store pushing my shopping cart and i look and i'm like blueberry captain crunch yes throw two in the basket you know what i mean like yes and i'm freaking rolling out like i have fun walking to the store i go to starbucks and i'm like i've never had a pumpkin spice latte yes i'll have one of those and then the barista made me one and i took a sip of it and i'm like oh my god yes Yes, that thing is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know I could feel this way. You know, like I didn't know that these 12 steps, doing them to the best of my ability, they can, it, it changed my heart. It changed my whole attitude and outlook upon life. Like it's crazy. You know, I see two things change people in this life. One is drugs and alcohol. That changes us bad. 
that changes us into be, to become the people that the people that love us the most, they look at us and they say, you used to make me so happy. Whenever I saw you, you were the bright spot of my life. Now when I see you, all I feel is pain. That's what this disease does to us. And the other thing that changes people is these 12 steps. They will change you into the person that you're always meant to be. It happened to me and millions of other people out there. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. I promise you, if you haven't worked all 12 steps to the best of your ability, work all 12 steps. I mean, do the freaking work. Don't just sit there thinking that your life is going to be amazing if you just stop using and drinking because it doesn't change your heart. My mom today is cancer-free, and I'm welcoming her house at any time. She trusts me. She believes in me. She calls me more a lot. <laughs> this is great. great. <laughs> She's all in. It's so amazing. And the last thing is those M&Ms. Those M&Ms that were in that bowl, you know what those were? Fear, anger, hate, shame, guilt, regret. All these things that were inside of me blocking me off from you, blocking me off from life, blocking me off from happiness, blocking me off from God. And going through these steps, it was about removing those things day after day after day after day hitting my knees and praying to something I didn't believe in. It worked. It didn't matter if I freaking didn't believe because whatever God is, he heard me. And this stuff works, you guys. It's been the greatest journey of my life and it keeps getting better and better and better. I can't wait to see what tomorrow has. <laughs> Best day ever. I love you guys very, very much. Thank you.